This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. You got to pursue purpose over paper. Like it's not about the money. It's about purpose. What does God need you to do? That's J.B. Atkins, diehard entrepreneur and CEO of Skyride on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we are so glad you're joining us for this episode. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got a guy who learned to fly at 11 years old. He started uh, an idea for a, a, a mini airline in high school uh, he's experimented and failed and learned with businesses ranging from aerial tours to baby e-commerce. He's lived homeless in the Los Angeles area twice, and he's currently the CEO of Skyride, the Uber for flight in Los Angeles. And JB's story has been featured in the Washington Post, Inc. Magazine, LA Business Journal, and now on the Bold Idea Podcast. We'd like to welcome to the show, J.B. Atkins. Thank you for having me. What's going on, Larry? Hey, well, this has been fun. I've been looking forward to uh, to chatting with you ever since you and I first uh, talked because you have had quite a background. And I want to just jump right into this because I, awesome. I know you got an early start as an entrepreneur. And yes. uh, so, so tell us, first of all, about Centurion Airlines. Oh, Okay, so Centurion, you know, I've always been infatuated with aviation, as you know. Uh, we talked about that briefly. Uh, but when I was 12 years old, this is like a year after I started flying, um, I actually spent like a week writing a business plan for an airline. But this one just happened to be a Christian airline with, uh, you know, Bibles in the seat back pockets and stuff like that. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. Were Man, they I think placed my by the Gideons? That That's what I want to know. <laughs> the Gideons. <laughs> Dude, I had so many Gideon Bibles. That I hate to admit, I just threw away like 12 of them not too long ago. Uh, just had them piled up, but uh, all, all, all sorts of colors. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Centurion. I, I think my mom still has that business plan. I need, to, I need to find that. Did you actually start the company? How did that go? Uh, not quite. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, right after that, I think I tried to get a job at the airport and they denied me cause I wasn't old enough to drive the <laughs> annual fuel truck. Right. Um, you know, they let me volunteer and I got to volunteer at some air shows around that and kind of be around the business and, you know, pick up some general knowledge. Uh, you know, how did you start out with an interest in aviation? How did you discover that for yourself? You know what, Larry, it's funny. I, 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 the, I think that I can pinpoint a time when uh, I think I was about seven years old and my stepdad actually took me to, this is when IMAX first came out. Mm -hmm. There was a movie that premiered uh, called The Magic of Flight. And I still have the DVD to this day. I bought the DVD later. Uh, and it was like this compilation of, you know, sort of all these different aviation icons and legends and figures from the Blue Angels to Patty Wagstaff, who's like a really famous aerobatic pilot, uh, you know, air show pilot and stuff like that. Uh, but that movie really impacted me. And I remember in that moment, you know, watching that film, I kind of made a commitment that I wanted to be a Blue Angel. So I knew I wanted to fly military back then. Um, but, you know, from that point forward, it was really just about being around the airport as much as I could. I don't know what seed was unleashed or planned. I don't know. Like it just I literally from that moment became infatuated with anything that flew. Mm. Yeah. So 
That, and, that's the furthest back I can remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And somehow you got the bug to start thinking. I mean, what kid, after getting his pilot's license, what, at, at 11 or something, you learned to fly? Is that right? Ooh, so I started flying at 11. I was a little too young to get my license. Sure. But, uh, but nonetheless, you know, I, I started um, and would go take lessons every couple months until I was old enough to really get serious, serious about it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I ended up getting my pilot's license in high school. At 11 years old. Now, Armin, I want to ask you this question. I mean, how many how many 11 or 12 year olds do you know that sit down and write a business plan? <laughs> Not very many. Oh, okay. So this is the kind of the interesting <laughs> thing. And I was not, I was an entrepreneur because I hustled some candy out of my locker <laughs> at like 11, 12. Well, I, I <laughs> sold newspapers as a kid. You know, that was maybe my first spark, but I'm just wondering, I've never wrote a business plan. I'm just sitting here thinking what oh, kid writes a business plan at 12 years old. All right. So to pull, pull apart some of your biological DNA here, because I know you had quite a large family that you grew up in is that right oh yeah man yeah it's crazy so i grew up uh actually now i'm the oldest of 16 uh but back then i grew up in a house with uh, there were 13 of us uh but by the time i left the house you know my, my parents had more um and so yeah we we grew up in a big family they wanted knit. more businesses to start huh so they just said <laughs> yeah, our contribution we, I mean, <laughs> is just make more of these babies <laughs> right well you know when you grow up in a big family guys i mean you kind of have to you know, pioneer, I guess. You gotta <laughs> have to pave your own way. Cause you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. And my dad was an army officer. Uh, you know, he was a reservist at first and, you know, he's doing sales in between that. But when Iraq happened, he got mobilized. So he actually ended up going to active duty and had to focus on that. So it kind of took us all off guard. Um, but you know, my brothers and sisters and me, you know, we kind of had to forge for ourselves in a sense. So anything from hawking cookies to trying to do woodworking projects. And okay. So it. I got, I got the image of you all holding hands around the table for prayer to make sure <laughs> that nobody actually takes the food when the eyes are closed. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that was crazy. Man. Seconds were, uh, were hard to come by. I tell you. All right. So you said your, your dad was a military man, but did you have some encouragement to pursue business at a young age or what, 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 uh, what was your inspiration for that? You know what? It's funny. My dad has always been uh, my biggest fan. Uh, and so he actually, and I, I'll kind of skip ahead. So my dad, because he was in the military, all I kind of knew was, hey, you know, if I want to fly, it's going to, you know, the military is just, that's an easy, you know, road to do what I want to do. But my dad was actually the one who steered me away from the military. He was like, no, you got something else, man. I think, I think you're going to do some other things that you go with your heart. Don't, I'm telling you from experience, don't fool with the military. And, you know, my dad's a you know, retired army major, all that. But I think he saw something in me at the time that uh, I didn't quite realize was there in terms of entrepreneurship. Uh, but, you know, at that time, I didn't know that entrepreneurship was a real thing. I thought, oh, you got to go to school and, you know, try to earn a scholarship or what have you and go get a job, you know, go do something like that. I, you know, at, at this point, uh, you know, sort of the Centurion Airlines dream had faded a little bit. So, mm -hmm. uh yeah, it's interesting. My dad, though, was certainly the one who cultivated that in me. And to this day, still encourages me. You know, he's he's kind of the one I run to, uh, you know, when things get rough, which they are. <laughs> They're always rough. Yeah. So take us on, take us a little bit on that journey. So after high school, what was kind of the first like real entrepreneurial? I'm I'm working on this thing in order to make an income from it venture for you. Ooh, you know what? Uh, you know, I started a music video production company. So you know, I earned that military scholarship, Larry and Armin. I, I I tried to do that, and you know, you know how God does it, man. Sometimes He takes you in a direction, and you know, he, you're like, wait a second, God, I, I I thought this was the plan, and you know, all of a sudden, I find myself in L.A. after a year and a half of school, 
and uh, and I'm and I'm working in the entertainment industry, directing music videos for old school artists, and uh, and so I started making money doing that, which is very interesting. Uh, and I met my wife through that entire process, and then we started doing it together. So you know, my wife's actually she's actually an MC Hammer dancer, believe it or not. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> she's been with Hammer for like 13 years now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So we've had an interesting sort of trajectory. Um, but yeah, I started making money doing that, and then I felt. You know, I really felt God pulling me out of that industry. It's just such a, you know, I don't want to go into it too deep. I don't want to bore you guys with all the details, but it's a very dark, cold, cutthroat sort of business. Mm. Uh, and I certainly learned a lot. Uh, but but there were some influences in that business that, uh, you know, I just don't, you know, in hindsight, weren't weren't really the best for me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I think that was training ground, you know, to prepare for what, you know, what I'm doing now, which is more in line with my passion, which is aviation and stuff like that. So, okay. So uh, you went from, yeah. you went from that, that venture in the entertainment industry to aviation again, which is kind of your long love. Talk, right, talk right. about that. Talk about that shift. What was, what was going on there? What happened? Yeah. So, uh, this is probably circa 2014. Um, you know, the music video thing was, I, I felt the pool. That was kind of when I was feeling like God was like, yeah, I'm gonna shift you out. You know, when the grace is up in a season, so to <laughs> yeah. speak, you're like, things start kind of going south and you're like, wait a second, I'm losing money. Thing, you know, mm-hmm. folks aren't answering my phone calls the way they used to and stuff like that. Um, so, so, you know, I had a little bit of money and, uh, and partnered up with a really good friend of mine. He's a, you know, he's from Australia, really, really, really solid entrepreneur. And, uh, and we actually went and like spontaneously bought an airplane. We're just like, Hey dude, let's, I was like, let's start an aerial tour company. We'll, we'll like make it a tech enabled aerial tour company. And like, we'll do an iPhone app that, you know, when you fly over a monument or something, it'll like push notify your phone that, uh, you know, you're flying over this monument and give you all the facts for it. It was like some stupid idea. Like just, I was just vomiting up ideas for, uh, for this new aerial tour company, just cause I felt this pool in aviation. Mm-hmm. And so we bought this airplane and we were so highly leveraged. Like after a month, we were already out of business. Oh, this was, was in LA then? <laughs> You this? <laughs> this is in LA. Okay. Yeah, this is in LA. So it was cool because we got some good press. Like we actually, t- believe it or not, took this airplane down to Venice Beach, like took the wings off, rented a trailer, put it on the trailer and took it down to Venice Beach. And uh, and we're like letting people sit in it and take pictures because we thought, oh, this would be a perfect way to try to attract some business and get some people to, you know, try to write about us. And which they did. We actually ended up getting some press from that. Um but yeah, I mean, we were so highly leveraged, man. We had <laughs> hangar rent that is so expensive in LA. It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. You know, just, we weren't prepared or planned. It was kind of a fly by night thing, pun intended. Um, so <laughs> that really bankrupted me. <laughs> so that was, a, that was what, a, what, did you say one month? Yeah, it was about, a, after about a month, we were already out of business. So we literally <laughs> bought the airplane in like July, like early July. I think it was like July 3rd, literally. I remember this like it was yesterday. We drove up to the San Francisco Bay Area from LA, picked up the airplane, brought it down to LA, and the next day, and we had already coordinated this uh, with like the boardwalk down at Venice Beach and all that, and we had asked the, the LAPD if we could bring an airplane down there, like, oh, that's something we'd never heard of, sure. So we brought a real airplane down there and stuff, and I think the end of July, we were completely bankrupt. Like, I had not a penny to my name at that point from all the money we had sort of poured into this, this venture. That wasn't so. uh, Centurion Airlines, right? No Bibles in the uh, back pockets. Uh, and 
See, if I had done it God's way, if I had done it like that, I might have been. I might be talking about something a little bit different here. So you and you and your partner feeling devastated. Your first venture lasted a month. Yes. How did your faith kind of unfold at that time? What was going on inside of you during that time when okay, this is a failure? So during that same month, you know, my son was at my first son was actually born July twentieth, twenty fourteen. So my wife and I, uh, you know, we were expecting and, and that's kind of why I was scrambling to start something new. Cause all I knew, you know, after being in the music video business and producing and all that was, Hey, if you want to make money, you just go start a company. Right. I kind of always had that in me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after the whole military thing didn't pan out. I was just used to, I, you know, I went back to my roots, you know, it was, Hey, start a business and, and make money, go get customers, whatever. And so, you know, that while we were transitioning out of the music video business, the aerial tour thing was sort of my natural inclination. I was like, hey, I'm passionate about aviation. Let's do this and we can make, you know, we can make a living doing this. But when that didn't work out, I was not prepared for anything else because I had not, you know, at this point, my resume was like, I was like a no resume guy. Like, <laughs> hey, I'll just do my own thing. And so I struggled for months and we actually ended up getting evicted from a really, really nice little apartment out in L.A., um, four months after that. So I, here I am with a four month old son and my, and my wife, we'd been married about uh, maybe two years at this point. And, uh, and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Like $300 left to my name, nowhere to go. I'm literally on the computer looking for those like weekly motels, you know, those really mm-hmm. kind of shady motels <laughs> that are like, Hey, it's $150 a week. Cause I was like, I, you know, I, I got to make my money stretch. The no tell uh, motel. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I always think back, and I remember at this time, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, August, um, we took my son and he got, uh, you know, we dedicated him to the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. just like, hey, God, he's yours. What, use him however you see fit. Just give us the, give us the wisdom and insight and allow your Holy Spirit to just, you know, allow us to raise him up in the way he should go, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember a mentor uh, of mine uh, giving me that verse, man, it's the Philippians, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would repeat that verse every day as things got, as we got closer to literally being out of our apartment and evicted, literally reciting that verse every day and just knowing that somehow God was going to work it out and just praying for opportunity and praying that he would give us favor with people and show, you know, if that was a job opportunity that that would pop up. Cause that's something I wasn't really open to at the time. Again, my, you know, and I was prideful and I was like, Hey, you know, I, I'm used to being an entrepreneur and making my own money. I'm not going to go work for anybody. But I remember that verse and I, to this day, that verse carries me, man, in some of the roughest times, you know, be anxious for nothing. And, uh, I literally remember the day we had to be out of our apartment and the sheriffs are on their way to kick us out. Being in my rental car, because at that time we didn't tell you this, but we actually, all our cars are repossessed too, which is another thing. So I'm sitting in a rental car um, right behind a U-Haul that I can barely afford and just literally on my phone looking through, again, looking at these motels and like, and just thinking to myself like, God, I'm a failure. Like as a dad, like I've already failed. I think I'm 24, 25 years old. I'm like, I can't even take care of my own kid. Like I've, I've got an infant and I, I, I kind of, I get emotional to talk about it sometimes. Cause it's, it's so crazy to think back to that time. Like it's, it's insane. But, but nonetheless, uh, you know, God ended up seeing us through that situation. Uh, so we ended up going to stay with a friend for five months. We lived on somebody's couch for five months and they had a newborn too. 
our kids were three weeks apart. Wow. So yeah. It, Good to have friends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, and, and honestly, we grew closer to them during this time because we, you know, we were friends, you know, you, you have friends and acquaintances and you sort of have folks in the middle. It was sort of like that. Like we knew them, but we weren't like hanging yeah. out every day sort of thing. Um, but I was sitting in my car and that friend who we went to stay with, uh, the husband actually called me and he's like, Hey, I'm actually working in your area. Can I come take a shower at your place? And I'm like, uh, actually like we just got evicted and we were like sitting in our car trying to figure out where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's literally, I, and that had to be God. Like, I know oh, that yeah. was a God moment. Like, Hey, come to our house and we'll figure it out. So wow. we go to the house and we end up, you know, end up staying for five months. Wow. That's, that's a great kind of friend right there to have. I really is. Man. So how, how, how did your wife handle all this during this time? That's gotta be especially stressful for her, right? Yeah. You know what? I, uh, and I tell everybody this, my wife believes in me more than I believe in myself. So between her and my dad, I mean, literally are my biggest fans and supporters. And I kid you not, this might sound insane, especially in this day and age. And by the way, my wife is eight years older than me. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so at this point I'm thinking like, my goodness, like this, I'm supposed, you know, she's looking for somebody stable. My <laughs> wife's in her early thirties at this point, And I'm here I am. I go from, you know, making a decent living to literally being evicted and having to go stay at a friend's, you know, friend's house for five months. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but nonetheless, man, my wife with an infant, with a four month old every day, sleeping on a hard couch, right? <laughs> with our child on her chest every day sleeping like this. So not the most comfortable. We're literally, you, you know, when you're little and you sleep uh, on opposite ends of the bed, sure. you know, you're like your brother. Yeah. yeah. So we're sleeping like that every day on this little skinny couch. Wow. And she's got my son. Yeah. It was insane. Wow. Um, and she, she did not complain one time, oh. not one time, Amazing. did nothing but encourage me and say, you know what, God's going to, he's going to, he's going to get us through this. And when, when I was like done, I, I wasn't done with God. But you know, when you're frustrated, you're like, God, like, hey, I know it's my fault, but man, couldn't you just throw me like a, don't give me a break. Like, are you serious? Well, that's an important, that's an important ground that you're talking about right now, because I think a lot of people who uh, have an idea have experienced what you went through, maybe not quite to the same degree, and maybe some even right. to a worse degree. But I think all of us can identify to one degree or another, this sense of, of feeling like, what are you doing here, God? What what is I'm right. what am I supposed to do? And I'm not hearing a clear voice. I'm only the voice I'm only hearing is one of failure. Wow. And yeah. uh, and so so I wanna I wanna talk about that for a minute with you and and, sure. and kind of hear how did you navigate that? How did you, you know, start to believe the truth that your dad and your wife were affirming in you to to pick yourself back up? And, uh, and ignore the voices that you were hearing about, you know, <laughs> you, you, what kind of father are you to, you know, mm. not provide a, a home <laughs> for your, your right. family, right? Those are the kind of voices that are very prominent during a time of failure. And I think, frankly, those, totally. that kind of voice keeps people from even trying ideas because they don't yes. want to end up where you've been. So we want to encourage people that are hearing God's voice to do something extraordinary with their life and trust them in an extraordinary way. We want to hear from guys like you who have gone through that. What, what did you do to kind of get back into the game, so to speak? Wow, Larry, that's an, that's an amazing question. And, uh, and honestly, you know, I can't, I can't attribute this all to myself. Obviously the Holy spirit, you know, empowers me to be able to go out and even have the wherewithal to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, especially after a, 
you know, sort of a setback like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, I'll give you a, I'll give you a tangible, um, you know, I, I obviously knew I needed to make some money and, uh, and I think, you know, my natural tendency was all, again, always to just go into it myself and kind of edge God out and be like, you know what, God, you know, I, I got this. Let me, let me leverage my skill set. Let me call some people I know, you know, let me try to start something new. Mm-hmm. So it's like the first month that we were there, I actually tried to start another production company. So I called a really good friend of mine who's a director. And I was like, hey, dude, you know what? Let's kind of start another production company. We won't do music videos, but we'll get into the commercial game. Because we kind of had worked in that realm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more money in commercials and advertising. So I was thinking, you know what? Let's let's put together a reel and, you know, let, let's go out and shoot some stuff just on spec. Which basically means, you know, you're, you're shooting fake commercials right. just to get work. Um, so I had planned on kind of doing that. Um, but my wife wasn't in agreement. And, and, and I know you know this, Larry, and, and I, I mean, you're married too, right? Yeah. Too yeah. So, you know, yeah, totally. Um, so, so, you know, if your wife's not in agreement with something, I'm, I'm sure you guys know that it's, it's usually a no go until <laughs> well, she's either in agreement or, you know, you just forget about whatever it is that you're, you're plotting. Well, my you, wife is <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it, it isn't because, um, it isn't because Anna has authority. It's because she has better access to what God's actually saying in our lives than I do. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm a little I, bit look, more pigheaded <laughs> than she is. Bruh. I, I totally get that because I'm the same way. Uh, and so my wife was like, you know what? And, and I used to hate when she said this, but now I, I value it more somewhat. Sometimes I'm like, ah, are you sure? But she always say, just be still, just be still. I'm like, ah, I'm not that kind of guy. Like I want to make things happen. Give yeah. me some tangibles. Like what, what yeah. does that mean? Cause you know, I'm, you know, you grow up in like the old school churches and they're like, oh, be still. I'm waiting on God and all. And I'm like, no, you know, that's, that's not what you do. Um, but my wife's like, be still. And she's like, you know what? I think you need to go to a quiet place and just seek God's face and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And so I literally shut down the idea of coming up with a production company. And one day out here in LA, we have this beautiful area called Palos Verdes, mm-hmm. beautiful upscale area. Mm-hmm. But they have this this beautiful little sort of, it almost looks like a Hawaii, like somewhere out there, right? It's like a, a cove, like a like this little rocky mountain range. It probably is like a 300 foot little mountain right off the, the, the beach. And so I go down there one day by myself and I just take a, you know, take my backpack and, and a notepad and, uh, and I just hear from the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, write, write this down. So I'm like, I just write down on this blank piece of paper hearing from God. Right. And so, you know, I think I get down there like seven in the morning or something like that. And so I just hike down this mountain and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just in the rocks and, you know, just, just enjoying the waves and almost get swept up by some waves coming over the rocks and just it, it, literally just a hike. And I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I'm just clearing my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I climb back up the mountain and, I'm, and I kind of get this notepad back out and I'm ready to write. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me. But, but I, 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 I'm not getting anything. And, all, and I, I keep getting this sort of unction to call my stepmom. And I feel like, you know, it's getting stronger. I'm like, it's like, call your stepmom. And I'm like, what? I'm like, that's kind of the last person I want to talk to, right? No disrespect, my stepmom and I, you know, we didn't always have the best relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just feel the Holy Spirit prompted me to call my stepmom. So I call her. Um, and it had probably been like a year and a half since we talked at all. And usually when we talked, it was kind of like, you know, it was a little small talk, right? Yeah. It wasn't always the most authentic. Mm-hmm. But we had the best conversation. We had such an amazing, engaging conversation. And, uh, and, and when we hung up, I knew that was the Holy spirit because I knew that he needed to release something in me. He needed me to forgive. Right. Mm. Um, and to 
kind of get, you know, you, I, I guess forgive to get to the next level, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and I didn't end up writing anything down, but all I remember him saying is just leverage your skill set. And I literally felt like God was telling me, go home or go to your friend's house <laughs> and, and, and build yourself a website with your portfolio and all the stuff you've done in it. Even the crazy stuff, you know, the videos with the girls and all, you know, all mm-hmm. the stuff that I wasn't necessarily proud of. Um, and just do that. And so I did that. I literally spent, literally spent the next maybe two days building a little portfolio site, just kind of hacking something together. And, uh, and so from then on, I, I just, uh, I, I started applying for jobs and the next day I, and I couldn't remember, you know, I was applying for all sorts of things, just kind of looking for whatever opportunity came up. Um, I got a call from Salvation Army. And I, and I literally, they saw my portfolio. And remember, Salvation Army is a Christian organization. Yeah. So they, they ended up seeing my portfolio of like these grungy rap music videos with the craziest <laughs> stuff in them. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, we, we see something in you. Like, do you want to come in and interview? Like, we have this new initiative called Savin, which is it's Salvation Army Vision Network. And it's kind of like a millennial thing that, you know, Salvation Army was kind of pushing to reach like a younger crowd. And mm-hmm. it was sort of like an in-house advertising agency or doing like a bunch of content and stuff like that. And so I literally went in um, and, and interviewed and they said, hey, you know what? Get back to us. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you with an offer. So I remember that night praying, you know, and, and remember, I'm not a job guy. So I'm like, all right, right, Lord, I guess, you know, I'll just do this for a couple months and get some money and get back right. on my feet and I'll pop back out. Right. Um, but a, a, a friend of mine who's sort of like a mentor, he called and he's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to, you know, we're going to believe for this offer for you because I really believe God's trying to use this opportunity to, to just teach you in this season. And, uh, and I knew it was God because the, the, the thing we prayed for that he a- agreed on, they came back with that exact offer. Mm. And I was like, whoa, I was like, all right, time to shut up and, and get it right. And, uh, and long story short, I went to work for the Salvation Army for two and a half years. Uh, which is a very humbling experience. So I hope that wasn't like all over the place. No, no, I know no, it's that's a lot. good. That's good. So you worked for you worked <laughs> yeah. for Salvation Army. You got your feet back under yep. you, and then you, yeah. you start. Is that when you started Height? To back up a little bit, I actually started Height right around the time that we we got evicted. I actually had already kind of started Height. Like once the aerial tour thing wasn't working out, I was like, hey, you know what? This will be a good pivot. Like we should try this idea. And here's how I knew it was going to work. I actually put an ad out before I incorporated or anything like that. Just put an ad out on Craigslist to validate sort of the idea of height. And, you know, by the way, you know, obviously height is was was sort of the Uber for air travel. Uh, We were kind of trying to take small aircraft operators and facilitate flights through software. And so I didn't have anything built. I just knew, you know, some folks with small airplanes and some pilots. And I knew, you know, some folks who were doing it the right way, according to the FAA, who had the little air carrier certificate. So I just put an ad on Craigslist and literally did five grand in business in like 24 hours. So we did a bunch of flights and I knew that was a valid idea. But sometimes, man, God, you know, it feels like he withholds things, if that makes sense. And so it was like he gave me like the vision, but it wasn't time yet. And so then, you know, we kind of, you know, that's when we went into getting evicted. And Gotcha. So he tickled yeah. you with the idea for your yes. current venture. Talk about yes. that. Sure. So, so, I, you know, working at Salvation Army, I was still doing the height thing on the side, um, you know, which was training ground because eventually I ended up leaving the Salvation Army. So December 2016, 
I actually told Salvation Army like, hey, this has been great, but I actually want to strike out on my own again. I really, I, that was another thing. I felt like God was, it was time because we've been praying about it. I, you know, again, that grace being lifted. I, that's how I know a season's up with me. God always starts kind of shifting things and I start getting kind of restless, but not in a, in a negative way. And it's more in like a, hey, you've learned what you need to learn. It's time to, you know, you're, you're not going to be comfortable anymore. Let's, let's get to the next level sort of thing. Uh, so I didn't really have anything lined up, but I remember December 2016 um, or 2016, like the tail end. I was like December 1st in faith. I'm going to put in a letter of resignation. I have no prospects after that, but I'm just going to work on height full time. I just I have to get out of here and work on height full time. So my wife was in agreement this time. She's like, you know what? We're going to pray and be in agreement that, you know, God shows us and we're just going to hustle and we're going to figure things out. So put in my, my resignation, December 1st. Um, and I said, hey, you know what? I wanna kind of go out and start my own consulting thing just to supplement my income while I'm working on height. If you guys still wanna work with me, I'd love to have you as a client. So they actually did that. They actually hired me back as a consultant, which was a huge blessing. And then I ended up getting like another huge consulting client like two weeks later, literally. Um, so anyway, that I know that was a God thing too. Mm -hmm. that, that's a whole nother story. Um, but that enabled me to be able to work on, you know, the, this aerial sort of transport thing full time. And so, yeah, we, we, we've been working on that, uh, or we had been, uh, through 2017. And, uh, and then I just, something wasn't happening. Um, and I felt like, you know, again, that, that grace for height was, was being at least shifted in this case, uh, which brings me to where we are now, which is with Skyride. So, so that is literally the second iteration of, of height. Um, and we launched that officially back in, uh, in April of this year. So April 2018 and, uh, and it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. So it's tell our listeners what Skyride is all about. Sure. So our elevator pitch for Skyride is it's, it's a service that lets users, uh, book short rides in small planes, uh, between airports and major cities. Uh, so it's basically, it, it literally almost is like an Uber for air, right? Um, but the thing is, our, our sort of unique selling proposition is that, uh, you know, you can only book flights within like 100 miles. So it's perfect for cities like LA, which have a major congestion problem. You know, LA's got some of the worst traffic in the world, literally. Um, and so our, our initial goal was to just basically, you know, have an alternative to congestion and traffic. And so, you know, LA is unique because it's got, you know, there are airports all over the city. Mm -hmm. And so we just shuttle people instead of sitting in traffic for an hour and a half going across the city, you can take a 10 minute flight in a small airplane and it'll cost you a hundred bucks. That was sort of our initial goal. But, you know, we're trying to get into some of the newer technologies. Um, so, you know, you're hearing Uber and some of these other services talk about like EV tolls, which are electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. So they're like airplane helicopter hybrids, yep. but they're very quiet and they're cheap to operate and and stuff like that. So that's where we see that as being the future. Uh, so in a nutshell, that that's uh, that's what we're working on. It is a blast. Although some of the again, some of the toughest times that I've ever experienced uh, emotionally and and all that because it's such a riveting, it's just such a riveting time in in, in life right now with uh, with what's happening. What's the trajectory of your business right now? You think? Where do you see it headed in the next few years? Ooh, that's a big one. So I, I see us literally being the forerunner. And I don't say this in pride. I say this in all seriousness. I, you know, my, my vision is to build like the biggest flying taxi company in the world. 
so I see us literally operating these EV tolls all over the world, you know, Dubai, London, you know, Singapore, Bangkok, all these areas with congestion, right? LA, obviously, Dallas, Atlanta, Chicago, uh, San Francisco. Um, but literally to the point where you can push a button on your phone and go down to what we're calling sky stops now. We're actually working on the infrastructure for that now. So sky stop is like a heliport. Um, but they're like, imagine like you guys are in, in uh, Minneapolis, right? That's or right. Outside that area. Okay. So imagine like, I don't know, your neighborhood in Minneapolis and in the local grocery store parking lot, you have an area cordoned off. And that would basically be what we're calling sky stops. So you press a button on your phone, right? It guides you to the nearest sky stop, which is in your grocery store parking lot in your neighborhood. And one of these EV tolls comes down and picks you up and takes you downtown. That's literally the way we see it happening. So we're trying to build that right now. It's crazy. Wow. That'd be awesome for Armin because he yeah. literally needs a passport to get to where I live. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm just kidding. How far just is about. It? It's a 45 minute drive without traffic. <laughs> What? <laughs> and is the traffic kind of rough getting over there, though? Uh, it depends like, on when he comes. Yeah, if if it's during rush hour, it, it can it can be an hour and a half to get here sometimes. Uh, I don't think this is the place for Skyride, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, <laughs> if we could go from Minneapolis to Duluth, yeah, well, that, there there, but that's not a, within a hundred miles. I so, know yeah. there's a market for that. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. I mean, of course, we love our corporate sponsors, but I really love it when we have an episode that's sponsored by our listeners. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree with you. It's the best compliments we ever get is knowing that people are out there that want to invest in this to keep this going. And I think everybody knows, I hope by now, that we are doing this as really as a passion project. Neither of us take any money from it. In fact, it costs us more yeah. than we are getting even in sponsorships to put this program out on the air. So every little bit helps. That's right. So if you want to help invest in this and keep this thing going, we'd love to see your support. Just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And remember, every donation you make is a tax deductible contribution and comes from the bottom of our heart. A sincere thank you. Hey, so I'm curious about two things as we uh, get, as we get close to the end of the interview here, JB. Um, what's what's kind of the primary kind of lesson that you believe God has taught you through each of these ventures that you want to just make sure you carry forth in Skyride as you go forward? You want to just like I'm going to remember this because I've learned wow. it like three or four times before, or five or six Ooh. times before. Dude, you asked some amazing questions, Larry. Uh, I, I'm I'm really thinking. Is it okay if I give you two? Like yeah, the sure, for sure. And like the, the spiritual. So yeah. like the tangible practical would be the power of delegation. And I think just knowing my lane has been the most critical thing over the last few years and has really helped me be able to stay focused on, especially with Skyride, it's such a big vision and such a, you know, it takes people. And I think before I, I was so busy trying to do everything myself and, you know, and God, he gives you gifts and you're like, oh, I just... I can do this and I can, you kind of the jack of all trades and it, it's like an ego thing. Like, Oh, I can, I can do everything. I don't need anybody's help. I was that guy. Right. Um, but, but when, you know, when I started to let go and allow God to just show me how to lead, so to speak, not in the traditional sense though, but lead in the, in the sense that, uh, Hey, have a vision, you know, make it plain, write it down. And then go empower people to do this. I think that is the most powerful thing that I've ever, ever learned. And I think 
throughout all of my ventures, which I, it'd probably be closer to like 20 if you count all the oh, failures okay. in between too. All right. The things that made a little money and then kind of well, We're out of two out. hands now. <laughs> We're on the toes. We're on the toes. <laughs> right, right, toes, right? <laughs> Seriously. Um, okay. But I, I guess to sum that up, it would be the power of delegation. Uh-huh. On the spiritual side, it would be purpose for sure. Like not chasing paper. I remember a buddy of mine told me, he, he literally was pouring into me one day and he's like, you know, dude, you got to pursue uh, purpose over paper. Like it's not about the money. It's about purpose. What does God need you to do? And, fig- you know, why is he having you do this. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, on the, on the practical side, it'd definitely be the power delegation on the spiritual side to be focusing on purpose. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say to that because that is, uh, you know, I, I, I could find a thousand ways to make money, but, and, and people call me crazy even now for Skyride, right? People, I've literally had somebody call me crazy through somebody else last week, like a meeting I had with some professionals. And they're like, this is impossible. Uh, but they don't know the God I serve, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, man, good. it's impossible. God, yeah, all yeah. impossible. But anyway, um, yeah, purpose, man, even when it looks impossible. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So inspire our listeners that might be considering going into business for themselves, but they hear all the horror stories and some of the things Oof. that they go through. I mean, when people ask me, you know, what's it like being in business? I said, come on in, the water's warm but sharks also live in warm waters, you know, kind of warn them that, you know, there's danger in their waters, but, but it's good. So talk about that and uh, inspire somebody or give some words of warning or however you'd like to do it for those (laughs) who might consider going into business for themselves. The first thing I say is don't be as disobedient as me. You'll avoid a lot of headaches. So (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. Um, You know what? Honestly, that verse, man, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Transcends all understanding. Yeah, that that verse, just meditating on that, for me at least, has has just given me peace in, in situations that uh, that looked impossible. Mm. Um, and it is it is tough. I think what people have to do, especially as Christians, what we have to do is really recognize what you're gifted to do. Because I think in the culture that we're in, you know what I mean? You, we prayed in the beginning, you're talking about the culture, right? This sort of facade. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to sort of have the spotlight. And I struggle with this too. Again, I think it goes back to purpose. I think it goes back to knowing what God has gifted and purposed you to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and not being in pursuit of money and, and things like that, right? Sort of this, what the Bible describes as the the, the pride of life and lust of the flesh. I, I think you have to really know what you're made of and know what you're supposed to supposed to be doing. Seriously. I really think that. Because even, I mean, I go back to the music video thing. Like, yes, we did okay. Um, but but even at that time, I didn't mention this in the, you know, in, in the rest of the interview, but I knew that what I was doing was, was I, I knew I was operating in disobedience, right? Mm. And I knew that what I was doing was, was very, was, was compromising. You know, and it, but it, it made a lot of money and, it was paper. and you know, yeah. I was able to do stuff. Yeah. Not everybody is sort of, and this is the, I hate to be very candid here because uh, it might, you know, it might rub some people the wrong way. I hope it doesn't though. I say this with all grace, but not everybody's made to be an entrepreneur, right? Not everybody's made to, to be a pastor, right? That mm-hmm. God, you know, he, he gives giftings to everybody. So I think right. if you're operating in a, in a, in a purpose or in a, you know, in something, in a capacity that God has not gifted or graced you for, you can because we have free will. 
But at the end of the day, you might be fighting an uphill battle. So I would say really, really, really seek God's purpose for your life uh, and just focus on that, right? Regardless of how much money you're going to make or what, what, you know, I, I think people tend to work the other way and say, here's the lifestyle I envision. So God, I need your will to line up with the lifestyle that I envisioned for myself. And I had to really be careful of that as well and say, you know what, even if Skyride doesn't pan out and my company gets taken from me, it's, it's God's purpose that is way, 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 way more intricate and greater than what I could ever imagine. So let me just focus on where he's taking me so as good. opposed to the lifestyle I want to live, which is why I'm living in my RV right now. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Are you back in an RV? I'm in my RV. But, but the difference is that was, uh, that was God inspired. And I think what he taught us was being content, right? Paul said, you know, I, I've learned to, you know, be content in all situations, whether yeah. I have a little or a lot. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But um, this That's... experience has taught my wife and me and my two sons, even though they're probably too young to really realize it. They love it, by the way. Um, to just be content, man. Godliness and contentment is great gain. And, mm. and we, we've been the happiest and the most peaceful and the most joyous we've ever been. And we could do this. And I always tell my wife, if we had to live like this for the rest of our lives, I'm completely content because it's about purpose. It's not about the money. It's about focusing on what God has purposed and destined us to do. And that is it. We have everything we need and then some in our little 27 foot fifth wheel. That's awesome. JB, that's you know, so inspiring. And I think you're, you're spot on with, uh, you know, if we drive to our purpose, everything else uh, flows out of that. Uh, how can our listeners learn more about you or what you're doing and keep, keep tabs on your story? Yeah, totally. So uh, with with Skyride, you know, you can go to GoSkyride.com. And that's stylized GoSkyride, S-K-Y-R-Y-D-E.com. And, uh, you know, we're still working on the software. So, you know, if you're in the L.A. area, you can certainly reach out through Skyride. I'm sure, you know, the support email will get back to me somehow. But um, but you can hit me directly too, JB at superpreneur.me. I love hearing from people. We want to just bless you and what you're doing as you're, you're chasing after God's purpose in your life. And thank you again for being on the Bold Idea Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Larry and Armin. I, I'm, I'm grateful, really grateful for you guys. You guys are the best. As well, are we, man. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, of course, man. Bye, guys. Blessings. Okay, Armin, that's uh, JB. Boy, what an interesting story. We had a relatively long interview with him and i only think we talked about four of what he said were 20 businesses so but i love everything he has to say i love his transparency i love his authenticity i love the he's just shameless and bold in the best and most beautiful way and i love it and i think we're often surrounded by people who have gotten so far past this phase that they're irrelevant in a sense you know like they people can't relate to them anymore. Yeah. And a lot of times when people are in that state, don't talk about it until they're completely out of it. Yes. Right. Because then, then they don't have to feel shame about it, but it's like this guy, man, he, he knows something and he sees something before the rest of the world does. It allows him to be completely transparent, raw and real because he knows what the future looks like, even if the present doesn't look like it right now. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. For instance, he didn't need to disclose that he's living out of his van right now. We already know RV, that he, yeah. yeah, and yet that was not a big deal for him to do that because he's centered on his purpose. And like mm -hmm. he said, I love that he brought up the Paul's thing about contentment. I've yeah. learned to be content in every... I mean, because nobody as a believer would sit there and and wonder whether Paul was a success or not. Right. I mean, we'd all go, wow, the Apostle Paul. I mean, that guy was a rock star. Right. And yet in our own lives, 
when we look at being at times of want, not times of plenty, we don't think of ourselves as rock stars. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, like he said, he had his wife and he had his dad continually remind him, basically saying, you're a rock star, you know, you're yeah. okay. And, yeah. and God's got a purpose for you. And when we have that, that persistent, that tenacity, really a reminder that's driven from purpose, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what environment is going on, what we're in. Yeah. We learn from it. But it doesn't, it doesn't get inside. The yep. failure on the outside doesn't get inside. That's right. And that's what you're seeing in JB. The failure that he has stays on the outside, you know, and he's, he's, he's I think, if anything, he's kind of learned this resilience yeah. to not bring it on the inside. Right. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that, that, that you point out is one of the, I, I don't even know what to call it. It was like a test or a research project that they did out in New York. They put a giant board up um, and somewhere, I, I don't know if it was by, uh, Times Square or what it was. And it just had one question written on it. What is your greatest regret? Right. Mm -hmm. that, nothing else. There was no one there guiding them. It was just chalk or markers or something sitting there. And, uh, people would walk by and look at it and they would stop. They'd think about it and they'd go back and write something. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't recall it. And, uh, it, it was, uh, I think you can still find it on YouTube. Um, and the thing that they took away from that, uh, little test or whatever you want to call it is they, they, this is what they realized that every single regret that people wrote had nothing to do with failure. Every single regret had to do with not trying. Mm -hmm. And, and there is, there, there is, there's no common thread between these people. I mean, the New York is diverse. Their right. backgrounds are diverse. You're seeing a homeless guy and a guy in a suit and tie, right? Like, but the most common denominator that connected everybody that was walking by that board was the fact that it wasn't about failure. It was, it was all about not trying. Yeah, that's good. Not failing. <laughs> that's good. And I, and I think that it, based on, and I, I'm, I'm saying that based off what you're saying is just that, that I think that is one, something that really stands out about JP, it, JB is that he's not, uh, he's not shy, uh, a shying away from failure. He's, he's embracing it and he's going to keep doing it because fear doesn't, or the fear of failure doesn't kill him or stop him. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I watched the mission impossible movie, you know, I haven't seen it yet. Don't ruin it. It's, it's, <laughs> You know, the, the, the stunts continue to get more and more wild. And I was just talking to my kids afterwards about, you know, this guy who's nearly my age <laughs> doing all these stunts himself. So and, nice. you know, I have a, I have what I think is a healthy fear of heights. I mean, when I get above three rungs on a ladder, I start to shake. <laughs> you know, I could not do jumping out of an airplane at 20,000 feet with oxygen sure. masks and all the, you know, fighting in the sky and <laughs> climbing towers on the outside and, you know, running on rooftops and standing over windows. It's normal or, stuff. I mean, right? yeah. I don't get it. Why would you have a problem with that? So here's the thing. I think JB has kind of demonstrated for us in what we talked about today, the, the almost the mission impossible kind of thing that uh, Tom Cruise shows this persona of, you know, uh, I can do all these death-defying stunts, mm -hmm. you know, but in some ways what JB is doing is more impressive because the fear that we carry with us every day about failure is a harder thing so to overcome so than true. a fear of heights, which yeah. I can just avoid places that are high and I don't feel the fear of heights, but we cannot 
avoid places that keep us from feeling failure. So having that kind of resilience that he has demonstrated, it also comes from repeated application and knowing that God is present in abundance and and absence and this whole thing about the you know the Philippians verse the praying for the peace of God that passes all understanding yep. and uh, and I love what his wife said to him is just be still yep you know just yep. be still yeah. we because this anxiety is evidence of fear yeah you know the anxiety is kind of that dashboard that mm-hmm. there's fear going on underneath yeah. And it's so you can silence that just by being still. And that requires a lot of trust. And that's really where it's all about. And boy, I, I don't know. I listen to JB and it makes me want to go start another business. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> this is number five in the portfolio. Six, I, don't know. So I, don't know I don't know. I'm, I may be racing with JB on the counter. <laughs> all right. I, I was, these are my last two takeaways is I, I'm... I'm never, uh, it never ceases to amaze me the power of belief, someone believing in you or you believing in yourself, what, uh, what heights and depths, uh, that will take an individual. And, uh, two, I, it always amazes me how every time someone tries to pioneer something that the mentality of people around them is always the same, that it's always, you're crazy, you're nuts, you're this, you're that, this is unrealistic or whatever it is. And no matter how many of the biggest businesses in the world have started in the garage, Apple, it is now a trillion dollar business, right? You would have to combine well over a hundred of fortune 500 companies to make a trillion dollar value, right? Apple, Microsoft, Google, Mattel, Harley Davidson, whatever you can name them all. Facebook started in a dorm room. All these people who have pioneered are the biggest businesses in the freaking world, the richest people in the world. And every time someone tries to pioneer something because they're ahead of the curve, they're crazy. So for the people that are like JB, if you are pioneering, you are crazy, but you're going to be crazy wealthy too, I'm sure at some point. (laughs) And and I don't mean that in just a monetary sense, but just life is going to be a world of wealth to you because you're going to see all the greatest treasures that heaven has to offer. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Well, we hope you found this show to be as inspiring as, you know, personally I did. I think Armin did as well in terms of I mean, that's because Armin and I are both kind of wired with with the business bug. But well, we hope that you found something from JB's story as well that you can take away and apply to your own bold idea. If so, leave us a, a comment at our show line, 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-4332, or visit our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 75. You'll find links there to JB's ventures. We'll also include some of his social media and the email that he mentioned. And uh, you can reach out to him if you like. But we'd love to hear whatever comments you might have about our our program and uh, and JB's adventure. And uh, maybe share your own as, as well. We'd love to hear it. So until next time, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying go well and be bold. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.